out there in podcast land. This is Combat Sports with Rhino, your all-encompassing combat sports podcast. We talk MMA, we talk boxing, we talk kickboxing, we talk Muay Thai, the occasional high-level grappling, but tonight is all about UFC 246. And then after I'm done with my breakdown of UFC 246, I have a phenomenal interview with one of my most favorite human beings on the entire landscape of mixed martial arts. I'm talking about Serena, the Southpaw outlaw, to Jesus. So before we get to that amazing interview, let's dive right in on last night's 246 review. Well, fight fans, after the long wait, we was the wait was finally over and the UFC was back on the air with a live show. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone versus the notorious Conor McGregor from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Just like many of you, I was so excited for any UFC content. Uh, I think I kind of put blinders on to what the entire card actually meant for its respective divisions and like the UFC overall. You know what I mean? Um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't one of those fights, fight cards where you're like. Gosh, this is really huge. You know what I mean? It's like there was no titles on the line, uh, no number one contenders really. So it was just one of those cards we were just happy to have, right? So if I'm being totally honest, there was only like two fights on the entire card that I really truly enjoyed. Uh, number one by far and away being Roxy's beatdown of Macy Barber. And then the other one was uh, Andre Touchy-Feely versus Super Sadiq Youssef. So uh, I'm basically just going to go over the main card plus those two fights. So I'm going to start with Sadiq and um, and Andre Touchy-Feely. Uh, this was a really interesting matchup, and I know when I saw it on paper, I was really interested in seeing what was going to happen. You have the longtime alpha male product, Andre Touchy-Feely, at 20-6 and six going against the, the hot upstart, Sadiq Youssef at 10 and 1 going in. Uh, I picked Sadiq to win. I thought Sadiq was going to win by uh, you know, by some sort of dynamic finish at some point. The first round, it kind of looked at that was the way it was going to go, right? I mean, it was a lot of back and forth, but Sadiq was definitely getting the better of Andre. The the second round was much more on the ground. Sadiq took Andre down, was on top of him for a lot, landed some nice knees to the body, some nice elbows, was really lumping up uh, touchy feely. The third round was a completely different story. It looked like, and, and there was two trains of thought. One, Sadiq was either tired in like that he gassed out from putting out so much output in rounds one and two, or did his corner say, or did he feel like I can kind of rest on my laurels a little bit? He he was definitely, to me, he was definitely ahead. I saw some uh, back and forth on Twitter about it, but I definitely thought he was ahead two rounds to none. And Andre Feely went southpaw and just started piecing him up. Southpaw obviously was the right stance to go with. I'm sorry that, you know, he decided to wait until the third round to do it, but he did. And I thought to me, Andre clearly won the third round. He he touched him up a bunch. Sadiq was just throwing big bombs and not really landing anything. So yeah, clear cut decision for me, Sadiq Youssef over Andre Feely. I enjoyed the fight. <clears throat> I thought it was a good matchup prior to, and it really it delivered at least the first two rounds really delivered. So uh, that was the first one. The second one, and let me tell you what, <laughs> this was a fight that ended up being by far and away my most favorite from last night. I have to have full disclosure for those of you listening to my show. I did think that Macy Barber was going to decision Roxy. I thought Roxy uh, on the feet was, you know, going to take some punishment from from Macy because she's such a strong striker. I, I don't know if I've ever been so glad to be wrong in my life. <laughs> Roxanne Modafferi, the happy warrior, comes out 
establishes the jab, shows Macy that she is not going anywhere. She's going to stand right in front of her. And then when she had her moment, took her down, right? Macy Barber has been riding this this hype train of of arrogance and a big push from the UFC, lots of money behind her. You know, she's a pretty girl, so they put her on a lot of a lot of interviews and a lot of things. And I just loved that Roxanne, the veteran of all veterans, right? She's been in the game since 2003, puts her on her back in the, in the second round, cuts her open over her left eye. Yes, she hurt her knee. This is true. And as you'll hear later when the, with the Serena Salpa interview, she, she hurt her knee, but she got dropped from getting punched in the face, right? So Roxy, with a beautiful jab, put her down, lumped her up, beautiful elbows from the top, uh, and give Macy Barber all the credit in the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one to, because of how I feel about someone personally, totally negate their skills. She did a phenomenal job of still being able to explode off of her back, reverse position, get Roxy off of her a few times, and continue to try to fight. There was no beating Roxy Mataferi last night. She was determined. She had a great game plan. She implemented it. Her skills and her talents were too, too much for Macy Barber. Macy Barber's clearly going to be out for a while. That whole uh, narrative where she wanted to become the youngest champion in the history of the UFC, not going to happen, right? I don't think so. There's almost no way. Uh, Roxanne gets another win. Can't wait to see what's right, what's up for her next. Love, love, love the Happy Warrior, everything she stands for. She is, uh, yeah, she's quickly, not quickly, but for a long time, I've been a huge fan of hers. I know my homie Juice put out one of the funniest videos I'd seen in a long time last night. Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast put out a picture like, I told y'all motherfuckers, I told you. I've heard all this, I've heard all this bullshit from the Macy fans trolling me. I told you. Write that down. I loved it. Oh my God. Shout out to you, Juice. Um, yeah, so Roxy was the biggest underdog on the card. My homie Laura Purple Pants, shout out to you for putting the bet down on on Roxy and getting paid. So big ups to you, my friend. Uh, another thing that was weird was between rounds one and two, the doctor actually did like a full like evaluation on Macy's knee before letting the fight continue. This is after she was already off the stool. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I think Rogan even said that last night. He goes, I've never seen that done before, I don't think. It was it was very strange. And then he whispered to the ref, I think she has a partial ACL tear. She's good to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, that was that. And then the last part about this fight that has stuck in the craw of all of us, I think, who were watching last night, Roxanne won the fight. Joe Rogan was in there to interview Roxanne. Macy came around and bogarted the microphone first and basically now give her her due she she gave shout out and she gave praise to Roxy well deserved but you don't steal somebody else's shine you lost unless Joe says stay here I want to ask you a question too you you exit the cage right that's what you do and that wasn't good enough for Macy. She had to take the fucking microphone and say her two cents. So wasn't that wasn't cool, man. I wasn't I wasn't pleased with that. I'm I'm still down on Macy Barber right now. I hope this teaches her a little bit of humility and not to uh DM other fighters' husbands in a an attempt to draw a fight, right? That was that was a bullshit maneuver against Paige Van Zant with Austin Vanderford. And yeah, you know, we were all stupid. At 21. I mean, I know I was. I'm sure most of you were too. We make mistakes, and that's okay. We we learn lessons, and I hope she learned a lesson last night, and I hope she changes her kind of how the way she, she goes about doing business because she is a 
fantastically talented fighter, and I, that's really what I want her story to be about, not the nonsense that she pulls outside of the cage. So, uh, yeah, those are my two prelims I wanted to go over real quick. Uh, so the main card started out with Diego Fajeda versus Anthony Showtime Pettis. Round one saw, saw Pettis and Diego both land some decent strikes on the feet, nothing major. Uh, round two, Diego just took Showtime down. They were right over by the cage, got his back, finished him with a neck crank. It was pretty clear cut, man. I, you know, now that now that Showtime is nine and nine in the UFC. I mean, granted, he's a former champion. He's only lost to really good fighters. Maybe Clay Guida would be the one. He'd be like, eh. But he's also got some great wins. What's next for him? My concern is, where does he go? You know, I mean, he's he's tried 70, he's tried 55, he's tried 45. I, I thought 55 would be his right spot, but maybe not. I'm not sure. Um, is he going to test the market? Yeah, I bet he is. You know, his brother Sergio, he's uber tight with, is over in Bellator now. Do you think maybe... That could be a fit for him. I think it could. Do I think he probably wants to stay with the UFC? Yeah, I do. And I think he probably will, at least for another fight. But I would not be surprised if we don't hear a changing of promotional companies for Anthony Showtime Pettis and moving over to Bellator or the PFL or even maybe Ryzen. I don't know. So we'll have to wait and see what's next. Diego, c- come on, dude. The guy's got a completely upward trajectory. He's only lost two or three fights his whole career. He can win everywhere. He, he is he's a good fighter, so he is definitely one to watch at 155. Uh, moving on next to our Brian Kelleher versus Ode Osborne. Uh, Ode tried some flashy shit early to try to catch Kelleher off guard. Kelleher slapped on the guillotine, and the ultra rare the ultra rare foot tap was implemented by Mr. Osborne. So. Uh, yeah, after the guillotine was on, he his arms were kind of trapped, and he implemented the old the old foot tap. So uh, just a couple minutes in round one, very quick submission for Kelleher. Good on him. He lost two in a row, so that was a big win to stay in the company. He even said it in a post-fight interview that he knew his back was against the wall. So really, really big deal. Ode is still very young in his career, and he has plenty of time and space to uh, to get better and improve. So we look forward to seeing that. Uh, moving on to my division, all right. Everybody knows I'm a heavyweight stand. I'm a heavyweight fighter myself. I love heavyweights. That's that's my jam. Um, this was not the best example that I would put out if I wanted somebody to learn what it is to watch a heavyweight fight. You have Alexi Olenek, the boa constrictor, versus Maurice. And this has got come on. This is one of the best fucking nicknames in all of MMA. The Crochet Boss Green. Yes, that's right. The Crochet Boss and the Boa Constrictor. My engineer is cracking up at that one, too. Uh, they met last night and what was a very underwhelming performance by both guys. Uh, Alexi, at 43 years old, has been fighting since 1996 professionally, okay? He's like three years older than me, dude, and I'm old and decrepit. So he uh, he he came out. He even threw a wing wilder that he actually fell down from. Kind of embarrassing. The 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 part of the fight that I really was impressed by, like really the one, was was Maurice Green's heart, man. Olenek did get him down. He took him down three times in the fight, was always searching for a sub, and Mo Green, to his credit, man, he must have really trained his ass off on submission defense because he shucked off and was able to get out of several submission attempts. Finally, in the uh towards the end of the second round, there was there was no getting out of the arm bar that Alexi put on. Uh, Maurice, and with uh, 4.38 left to go in round two, the ball armbarred Maurice and got the sub victory, which was his 47th submission victory of his career. 
Yeah, that's right. 47 subs. The guy is an unbelievable animal on the ground. So scary for everybody. Not on the feet. Okay. But definitely once it hits the mat, which he always seems to almost get it to, Alexi Olenek is probably the baddest motherfucker in the UFC right now because Verdum is, as we all know, suspended for you know for a little bit more time. I think it was like a 10-month suspension is what they settled on. So, yeah, and he even called out Alexi on Twitter. He said, hey, I'm pretty good on the ground too. Why don't we figure it out? And I would love to see that fight. I, I, I would even say, hey, guys, just get out there and get on your knees. <laughs> don't even throw any strikes. Just start the grappling because that's all we really want to see. So that'd be real. That'd be a lot of fun. So yeah, shout out to uh, Alexei Olenek. Big win last night. I love seeing somebody three years older than I am still competing at this high level. Very very cool stuff. Maurice Green, good kickboxer, six foot seven. He's a giant. I don't know what's next for him. We'll have to wait and see. The heavyweight landscape is not the deepest right now, so I think he's safe uh, losing to Alexi in that way. So, Moving on to our co-main event. It was only our co-main event because Claudia and Alexa Grasso didn't actually happen because Grasso missed by five and a half pounds. Big disappointment. I love Claudia. I really wanted to see that fight. So, I, I, again, I, that was a big bummer for me. But So we had Holly Holm versus Rocky Pennington in a rematch from several years ago. I think the less I say about this fight, the better. Um, I'm a Holly fan. I love, as everybody knows, I'm, I'm a boxer, and I love boxers, and I love the fact that she transitioned and was able to do so well in mixed martial arts. The fact that she beat Ronda Rousey was, I'll always love her for that, you know what I mean? She did me and a lot of us a humongous favor in Australia that time, but... Holly Holm has often gotten shots that probably she wasn't the most deserving of. I've I've speculated that's because she's so easy to work with, because she's so well liked, because she comes with such a pedigree from boxing. There's there's several reasons, but she went in there against Rocky last night, and it was I hate to use the word boring because I love fights, but this one was pretty fucking boring, dude. There was a lot of clinch work, a lot of non activity moments throughout the fight you know what i mean just inactivity just staring at each other it was it was a very slow paced fight a clear unanimous decision for holly holm i really don't know what's next for either of them i i really hope we can get back to a more dynamic holly holm which we know she has a capability of rocky pennington i'm not sure where she goes i think she's about 500 now as well yeah really i don't know that was bad last night i'm sorry to say it but not good all right, so uh, moving on to the main event. For the reason that I'd say 90% of the people in the world were watching this fight, Cowboy Cerrone versus Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, a few years ago, was the Nova star of mixed martial arts. The biggest name, the most well-seen, the most outspoken. He was the face of the UFC a few years ago. Then, you know, he took a loss. And then he went and fought Floyd. And then he came back and, you know, so there's there's this big, long timeline of ups and downs, we'll say, for Conor McGregor. A lot of out-of-the-cage stuff that I don't want to get too much into. Bad news, right? All surrounding this guy for a long time. And then you have Cowboy Cerrone. Cowboy Cerrone is literally, him and Chuck Liddell are my two favorite fighters of all time. I love the anywhere, anytime, anyplace mentality that he's had for his whole career. He had been, he had been finished in his last two fights, Gaethje bad in the first round, and then you know he couldn't couldn't continue in the second round against Tony because his eye was so lumped up. To me, I thought Connor had the laser strike left hand, 
and Cowboy had the kicks. That's what I thought was going to happen. I didn't think, I know I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter about they thought Cowboy was going to try to take him down. I didn't see it as that. I thought Cowboy was going to try to kick him, and I thought Connor was going to try to get it in boxing range to land that shot. My left shot. But he didn't even actually end up needing it because they get out, they get in close. Connor shoulder punches with some beautiful shoulder punches I've never seen from him before. And then Connor, of all people, cracks Cowboy with a head kick from the feet, wobbles him, puts him down, and then in a very calculated and meticulous way, put Cowboy to bed with the ground and pound. The notorious Conor McGregor buzzsaws through my guy, Cowboy Cerrone, at just 40 seconds of the first round. <laughs> Not the best showing from my boy, Cowboy. Conor McGregor, again, can you be super-duper impressive in 40 seconds? Yeah. And was he? Yeah. Am I a fan of Conor McGregor? No. But I have to admit what I'm wrong, and I because I picked Cowboy, and I have to admit what I saw out there, and that's a Conor is laser sharp, looking strong, looking fit. He's definitely not parting like he says he was a good stuff for the, the training camp leading up to Habib. So looked like looked great. So what's next for him? The name's Justin Gaethje, a rematch with Habib, Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal. Who knows? I I, I mean I I hear a lot of you know situations where people have make a case for all of those guys. I don't know what's going to happen. If I think the money fight right now is uh, Jorge Masvidal at seventy. But who? Well, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, but Connor does look like he's going to be around for a while, and I hope he can get all the stuff done out of the cage stuff, so you can just focus on MMA because that's clearly the best Connor, best version of Connor that we're going to see. Uh, should Cowboy retire? No, not yet. Give him another shot or two. Give him somebody that in that top, you know, ten, fifteen range. Put him on a fight night. Because the guy loves to fight, dude, and I and I love watching him fight. I hope he can get back at least somewhat to where he was a few years ago. Uh, but if he gets ended again in the next one or the next two early, yeah, it's definitely time to uh, get on the horse and ride off into the sunset, cowboy. God knows I love you. Um, is Connor good for the sport? 100%, right? He is so fucking soundbitey that anybody could take a soundbite from one of the brilliant things that he says and put it on and it gets people interested. Do I like Conor McGregor? No. Do I like his antics? No. Do I like a lot of the shit that he's said and done? No. It, but is the question, is he good for the sport? Unfucking questionably dude. Conor fans are all over the world, particularly in uh, in Ireland, but all over the world. He was like, what, like the fourth biggest Forbes earning you know, guy from sports or whatever. It, that says it all. Conor McGregor is good for the sport. He puts more eyes on it, and I'm always going to be for that. I'm always for growth of combat sports. So from that perspective, I like Conor McGregor being back, and that's kind of what I would have ended on that. So moving our way to just be, uh, we have a uh, phone call question from my man Jim Asoon. So, Jim, why don't you take it away? My man, Rhino. How we doing there, big guy? It's Jim Asoon. Got a question for you. Seeing the Cowboy didn't win, what do you think is next for him? You know, I don't want to see him go down to 55. But with Cowboy, you just never know, eh? So I want your thoughts on that. Stoked to see Roxanne win. Great for her. Keep up the great work, buddy. Love the podcast. It's always 420. Peace. Jim, it's never it's never as good of a show without you. I'm telling you what, you are you are a vital member to this show. I hope you feel like that because I 100% do. 
you know, I just talked about Cowboy a little bit. What do I think is next for him? Gosh, you know, I again, I really, I, I don't think he's ready to retire yet. I think he wants at least one or two more. Hopefully, get out on a win. You know what I mean against somebody who is a little bit lower in the rankings than somebody of the caliber of Connor uh, or Justin or Tony, if we're being honest. So I would like to see him fight one or two more times, maybe on a fight night, maybe in Albuquerque, maybe in Colorado. You know, those are his two hometowns. So I'd really like to see that for him, kind of be able to ride off into the sunset like a proper cowboy should. I, of course, love seeing Roxanne win last night too, my man. That was a highlight of the night for me. Yeah, love, love, love Roxy, and uh, definitely I hope you check out the Serena Jesus interview I have a little bit later because it is fucking awesome, and we definitely covered that. So thank you, Jim, for that one. The other question that I have, we're going to have on the show is from my boy uh, Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz, and Dave asks, what do you think regarding the general consensus of Connor in the fight community in terms of how he is regarded? Personally, I was happy to see him back, even though I'd have – like to have seen Cowboy win, there's an, undes- there's an undeniable excitement with Connor in the game as to what will he do next? Do you think most fans do like him and they like having him around? Or are they simply afraid to admit it due to his out-of-cage antics? That's a great question, Dave. Um, I don't think that people are afraid to admit they love Connor because, by God, it seems like 8 out of 10 people fucking love the guy. Uh, I do think that some people are a little hesitant to talk about him sometimes because of his out-of-the-cage stuff. Uh, th- there really is a a ground – there was a groundswell, right, when he first started getting hot, and everybody started kind of climbing on, and we, what we call casuals, those of us who consider ourselves hardcore MMAers, um, what we call casuals all kind of glommed on, and that really helped set up our dislike for that, I think, a lot. There's, you know, it's, it's a tale as old as time. People who are kind of – at the beginning of something or what, you know, kind of feels like the inner circle. And then when the circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, there tends to be some, uh, some animosity from the OGs to the young bucks. I I think there's some of that as well for what we call casuals. Again, I I think that people who are just in it for Connor's fighting, like myself, like I just, I like the way he fights. I like him in the cage. I I hate all the out out of the cage stuff, much like you do. I think those of us who can separate the, do we like how he fights and do we dislike how he is outside of the cage? That's one thing. And then there's some people who are going to be all for him no matter what he does. And there's going to be some people who are all against him no matter what he does. So that's how I feel about that one, Dave. Once again, great question. Thanks so much for being a part of the show, dude. Um, if you don't know Dave's work on Twitter, check out Solo Shoes. Go to Dave Fretz or go to Solo Shoes. The dude, I call him the I, – I love this nickname, too. I'm so glad I came up with it. Very much patting my own back here. Um, I call him the Einstein of graphic design. So check out Dave Fretz at Solo Shoes. Phenomenal, phenomenal artiste. And now, without further ado, check out my amazing interview with Invicta Bantamweight, Serena the Southpaw Outlaw de Jesus. Well, folks, we have a very special guest uh, calling into Combat Sports with Rhino today. We have the Southpaw Outlaw, the Invicta Bantamweight, Serena DeJesus. Hello, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me on, Rhino. It's great to be back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, she's referencing that uh, the show that I used to be on, we interviewed Serena last year, and she had yet to make her Invicta uh, debut. Now we have already done that. We are we are in the thick of a, of a long impressive, what's going to be an amazing, I think, championship career in Invicta. Um, 
First, before I get too far into it, Serena, I really want to say congrats to your team over there at Syndicate and to your best friend, Roxanne, for her dominant performance over the hype train that was Macy mm-hmm. Barber. Uh, I know you were there last night. What was it like for you in the arena? Um, it was pretty electric. Like, at first, like, I'm sitting with a whole bunch of um, Irish fans who are kind of watching me go a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs in the, <laughs> in the back. I'm screaming, as you can hear by how lovely and sexy my voice sounds right now. <laughs> I was just like, I, I was a nut. And, um, yeah, it was a great fight. I mean, Roxy outgrappled her, outstruck her, and just made her bleed. Like, she did the trifecta, and it kind of sucks when I'm going online, I'm seeing people, oh, well, it was because of her knee buckled. I'm like, yes, buddy, her ACL is apparently connected to her head that snapped back when my (laughs) friend was punching her. That's totally how human anatomy works. Right. I mean, (laughs) don't get me wrong, I respect the shit out of Macy Barber for fighting with an ACL, because I know so many fighters who would say, okay, no, fuck it, I'm done. Right. But no, Mark, Macy kept going. That's a that's a true champ mentality. I mean, I'm just happy that Roxy did her thing. I'm a little miffed about like the Kanye microphone episode. Like, oh Macy yeah. Got, like, I mean, I was 21 once. I mean, I wasn't that insane, but I do remember being 21. So you know, I'm not gonna get too hard on her for it, but. It is what it is, and I hope Macy recovers. But oh my God, I went nuts. It was, you know, afterwards we went out to eat, and everything was fantastic. She's not too banged up, so I'm really, I'm really happy. Oh God, I kind of tell you, last night that was absolutely my most favorite part of the whole show. My good friend Juice, who is as has the uh, Fighting with Myself podcast, he is the biggest Roxanne mm-hmm. fan, except for you probably in the whole world. And uh, <laughs> I, I know I saw him going off online. Uh, it was, it was so fun. I was yelling at the TV. I was so excited. That was, that was just amazing. So uh, moving on from uh, Roxy's fight last night. Uh, I know you're obviously you're training all the time because I follow you on all your platforms. Uh, how's training going for you right now? Training's going good. Um, I took um, I took the biggest lessons I needed for my last fight and fixed it up, which was my forward pressure. I needed to do it more because the girl I was fighting, she almost reminded me of Mugshot from Sly Cooper, where the villain just walks on his fucking hands. His hands are so <laughs> this girl had a seventy-two inch reach. Wow. Fight. Yeah, she had them long-ass arms, and I'm thinking I can counter through it, and I just couldn't, and I got caught and had to fight my way back. I took the second round, but Olga took the third, and it is what it is, but I've been fixing it up with uh, my striking coaches, John Wood, and a lot of boxing with Mike Pyle, so my forward pressure is getting better. Um, I have a teammate um, who's visiting from Canada. Um, she's fighting at CFFC, and her name's Jasmine. I can't pronounce her last name. It's super long. I probably can't either. Can't <laughs> and um, she's fighting on CFFC at the end of the month. This girl's the future. She's five seven. She she fights at straw weight, but her reach is as long as mine. She's just dangerous. Like I hate wrestling with her because she's just so her pressure is just so heavy for her size. But we scrap all the time, and it's awesome. Like when she came before my fight, you know I wasn't, I, you know I had problems sparring with her. But then recently, like we're like like almost having gym wars mutual gym wars like sure. we knew like okay we're gonna turn it up a little bit because you gotta fight and i want to get ready so you know last thursday we're reading really beating the shit out of each other it was awesome <laughs> uh, it just shows like even just with a little bit of time how much of a change i could really make sure. knowing what i need to prove on so i'm just hoping that invicta gets me another fight soon i'm running and dieting and all that stuff i don't like to do I mean, right. i'm not running 
Look, I don't run unless there's a hot guy holding the box of doors. That's the only time I'm running. That was clearly and the best line. Any, of, that was the best line that's yeah. ever been uttered on this show. <laughs> yeah, if, there's, if I'm running at any other point, you might as well look behind you just in case something's chasing my ass. So. <laughs> I am, but that's uh, about it. Yeah, I'm completely with you on that. Yeah, I'm a six-one pro heavyweight, and I have a 74-inch reach. So if you fought a girl at your weight class with a 72, that's incredible. Um, yeah, I'm like, what? I'm like looking at it like, what the fuck? Because here's what happened is I had an opponent who got injured, and this girl, no one wanted to fight, and everyone's like, who's going to fight her? So I'm like, yeah, I don't fucking run, so sure, why not? And it was a tough scrap. I mean... She kept trying to take me down. I just cheese grated her face into the fence every fucking time. I'm like, fuck your takedowns, basically. Yeah. But um, it was a hard fight. It was, I was I was happy to be there. I'm a little sad I didn't get my win for my Invicta debut that I've been clamming for forever. But it was a good fight. I, I took a week off, let my injuries heal, and then I just went right back at it. You're a goddamn savage. I'm such a ba- yeah. I'm such a baby after a fight. I I lay up there with ice and Advil like a baby, just whining for a couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, we well I already established you're tougher than me. I already knew that. Um, so you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Do we do we know what's next with Invicta? I mean, are you in talks for any specific time frame? Uh, I haven't heard anything from my coach specifically, but I'm hearing rumors that there's a Phoenix Rising for bantamweights coming up. So I want on it. Yeah, I want on it. I want all the goddamn smoke. There's so many, there's so many tough women in my division. So how am I gonna prove myself unless I fight them? Right. And I, I know there's um that Invicta's trying to get into the UFC Apex to hold a show there here in Las Vegas, which wow. I am so. I mean, I guess Kansas City is its own different place. Like I've been to Kansas City, but I just feel this weird vibe every time I'm there. And also, the ladies there are as rude as drawn on as their eyebrows are. Wow. I mean, I, I got into, like, an argument with this woman at a 7-Eleven once. And I'm like, girl, if you keep talking that shit, I'm going to take this giant-ass eraser out my bag and just go on your face. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to walk out here with no eyebrows. So, <laughs> one of us is going to look stupid. It sure ain't me. For, the, for, those, for those of you who didn't see what she did, she literally pulled out an imaginary eraser and did the full eraser on her girl's face. That's fucking amazing. Um so yeah, we yeah we definitely w- hope you can keep us updated on whatever comes about on your social media because we definitely want to follow along and uh, see what's next. Um, so we're going to get into another part of the interview today. Uh, for those listeners who are unfamiliar with your backstory, you are in fact the only professional female MMA fighter signed to a major promotion who has autism. Um, last year when we had you on the show, you informed me because I didn't know that John Howard Long, long time veteran. Uh, now I believe he's in the PFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, is also uh-huh. uh, has ASD. But uh, Sarita, could you share with the audience kind of like what ASD is and what are some of the challenges that it poses in the uh, professional fight game? So autism spectrum disorder is it is a spectrum of people who are high needs or low needs, you know, and they all vary from person to person. Like my siblings are also autistic, and our needs are all very different. Like. Some of us have sensory issues where we can't deal with like light, noise, you know, touch or taste or whatever. Like our, we just get overwhelmed. Like our senses are like an overdrive. And because we're living in a world where, you know, we have all these things that we didn't have, like maybe hundreds and thousands of years ago, you know, it just drives us nuts. And we have to struggle to kind of keep our composure. And when we don't, we have a what's called a sensory meltdown. Like we kind of act, you know, atypical in 
social situations and whatnot, like, you know, from how we're trying to deal with being overwhelmed by all this stuff. Like I like, you know, try, I kind of ball up when things get too much for me. I try, and I try to hold together. I wear noise canceling headphones a lot. Yeah. I wear my, my glasses go dark in the sunlight to help me out, like little things like that. But I try not to make it stand out too much because, you know, people get all weird about, you know, autism. Like we know we're living in a world where we know what autism is now, but we don't know how to treat people yet. So that's kind of my main mission is just showing like we're more than the stereotype. Like we're more than the stereotype of the kid with a helmet hitting their head on a wall. We're more than that stuff that certain organization groups that are fear mongers, in my opinion, like autism speaks fearmonger that oh autism is this horrible thing to ever happen to an individual it's like there's some struggles yes but it doesn't necessarily mean that our lives are going to be horrible forever you know yeah so that's kind of why i do what i do because i'm what i'm, I'm considered low needs you know because i kind of blend in with the rest of the neurotypical population but i mask a lot in public so people don't have to worry about me because the other thing is i'm also now in a sport where you always have to be strong no matter what. Yeah. So, you know, there are, all, there are a few people who are hope, making a good change, of like Tyson Fury, who I, I can't wait to watch later on. Me too. Um, yeah, like he made a good spiel about how mental health doesn't signify weakness. And even though autism is not a mental health thing, it's a neurological thing. It's right. the same thing. Like you can, you're different, but you're not less than every, anybody around you. So that's kind of what I try to stand for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, we talked uh, last time we talked to you. Like that's that's exactly the job that I'm in. I work with uh, kids who are on ASD spectrum, um, and everybody. I don't. I think one thing that is a popular misconception is how different uh, everybody who is diagnosed with ASD are. How every uh, classification, if you will, could have so many nuanced, small differences that you have to learn. And if you, if we're going to become a society of, of inclusion. Um, it behooves the rest of us to learn about these things. And mm-hmm. I think that's why your message is as important as it is because you have a platform that's different than someone who would probably come to the school to talk, you know, maybe someone who is a, a professor or someone who is a doctor, you know, you have a platform right. in the uh, combat sports world that some kids are going to, and some parents are going to look at and be like, okay, this is, this is something that I'm interested in for my kid this is somebody I can ask these questions or can that can give me the information that I need uh, to decide whether or not I want to put my kids into martial arts. And that's kind of why I like doing what I'm doing, because at the end of the day, I don't want kids and parents, you know, suffering like the way how I suffered, you know, because even to this day, I always have to ask questions like there are things this way because that's how it's always been or are things this way because I'm autistic. So I have, always have one foot in the neurotypical world and one foot in the autistic world. So I'm doing this tightrope balance like pretty much every day of my life. But if I can do things to make things easier for other kids, like martial arts is perfect because it's a set regiment, like classes at this time, your people are here, you know, and drilling is, is what? Repetitive movements. Right. The same move we're doing over and over and over again until we get it right. So it's actually very comforting. Um, I used to have a really hard time keeping myself together and not like, you know, trip over like, you know, at the end of the day until I started training. Like my body would be absolutely like destroyed and all like, I'm like laying on the floor like, ow. But like my (laughs) mind would be just all like zen-like. Yeah. Just all relaxed, which is very ironic given, you know, what martial arts is. And especially what I do, I go into 
a very loud and lightful environment when I fight, right? But yet, this has given me the best quality of life. Even my parents are like, this is the happiest and healthiest they've ever seen me. Right. Yeah, I remember you talking about uh, the big move from Philly out to uh, Vegas. And um, I remember saying, you know, when you found Syndicate, you really knew you found your, your home there. And you found, like, you know, that that replacement family not replacing your family you know in life but at least to have a a, a good gym family yeah 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 you know what i mean and that's that's so important that's so important for people particularly who are moving out of state is to find a support system uh in a gym like that which i've i only lived two hours from where i grew up but i don't i didn't know anybody here when i moved here and so finding the gym that i've been at for as many years as i have now was really an important step and i think that a lot of people need to remember they need to take that into consideration. You know, do your research before you oh, before you start at a new gym in a new place because it's going to be a really big part of your life. Yeah, I mean, you could move to like the best gym in the world, but if you don't click with anybody there, you don't feel like you're connected, you are going to suffer. So it's another reason, like, I'm grateful for my friend Roxanne. Like, the first time ever I came to Syndicate, like, I messaged her, like, wanted to go there and train with her because I've watched her since I was in middle school her fights and when she finally came back to America, I'm like, yo, I gotta train with her because I wanted to go to Thailand. But Thailand went out the window because of political riots. But this girl picked me up after I told her I come. She went to the airport to pick me up and help guide me through the whole process and made it possible for me to keep coming back from Philadelphia and having fight camps until I just said, okay, fuck it, I'm just gonna stay here now because there's nothing back home for me in Philadelphia fight-wise. And yeah, she, we, you know, she helped me out, you know, and I, for a while we were roommates for years. I mean, now I live with my family again, who um, two years ago took the drove from Philadelphia all right. the way out here to Vegas. Right. Now we're all back together like a happy family, just like we were in Philadelphia. So it's like, you know, same thing, but just different locale. You know, right. I help contribute a little with my brothers and everything. We help take care of the house and take care of each other. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, come on, dude. You can't get much better than that. That is so cool. Um, moving through the, moving through the, uh, the mixed martial arts part of the interview, we, uh, last time I spoke with you, uh, Run the Jewel was the band that was getting the most play on your playlist. Is there a new addition to the Serena Southpaw to Jesus, the Outlaw Southpaw playlist? No, Run the Jewels is still my favorite. Uh, apparently, Run, uh, new Run the Jewels album four is going to drop in two months, according to El, El Producto. Wow. And I'm so excited for that. I'm like, any second now. Like, they released a single called Kings and Queens is in my, in my nonstop rotation. Like, <laughs> Spotify, the system, I, the play, the thing I use, Spotify has a had a decade in review, and they're like, your artist of the decade is Run the Jewels. I'm like, are we even surprised here? So, um... Most more likely than not, unless something comes up, I'm probably going to walk out to run the jewels because I try to stick to a familiar song where I won my um, amateur title in front of 17,000 people. Yeah. I've been trying to get pumped up, but it was a different feel and different vibe for that time at Invicta. So it's time to evolve with the times. And I think we're going to stay with run the jewels because it kind of fits my persona anytime when I want to fight. It's just like go in there, try and murder shit. Get out with a whole lot of cash. Right. <laughs> in I the words it. of it, just like Nate, Nate Diaz said, the plan is to hit it with some good shit and to get out with a with a pocket full of cash. Like, <laughs> that is the that is the vibe for this this year right yes. now. Yes. So I'm 
by any means possible, I'm going to make it happen. That's so cool. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of the career, if you had a dream matchup, like you know, let, I don't know if you've already thought about this before, but if you could just kind of answer now, a dream matchup. Now they could be a current fighter or a fighter of the past. Do you have a dream matchup that you would have loved or would still love to have in the cage? That's a good question. I mean, I don't really I'm a very good too much in this thing, but there's <laughs> one person who I'm still going to have my eyes on because I was supposed to fight her as an amateur for a title belt, but she, for whatever reason, didn't make it. So I fought Courtney King, who's normally a featherweight. who's like a 5'10", heavy set girl. Yeah. I fought her to a five-round war, and I was supposed to have her for my pro debut, but somehow she didn't want to fight me there either, is Lisa Vazoza. It's the only girl I got my eye on right now. And it's nothing personal. It's just like, if you run from me once, for whatever reason, I can I can count that as like, maybe you got injured, maybe some shit got weird. But when it's two times in a row, I don't believe in coincidences. So this means that I just want to prove myself. I just want to prove myself to Lisa Verzoza. That's it. That's all I wanted. Yeah. And I... I feel like I lost some time because of my injury about um, a year and a half ago. So I'm kind of a little upset, but I'm trying to really work hard and get some fights so I can work my way up to her. Because she's an exciting fighter. I like to be an exciting fighter. She throws hands, I throw hands. Yeah. It will be a great time for everybody. Oh, dude, that's such a that's a, that's a perfect way to... Uh to wrap up this interview. So, uh, Serena, I just want to say I cannot articulate how much I appreciate you taking the time to do the show today. Uh, as someone like myself, my two careers are working with students with ASD and being a pro fighter. So you are the perfect guest that I could have possibly asked for. Thank you for being so candid and forthcoming. Um, I think we all learned a lot today. I really hope the listeners listeners did. Um, you guys could all follow Serena on Twitter. You're real high, bro, because you're verified. So at Serena South Park. I wish. <laughs> so Serena South Park, are you? I on... should be, goddammit. I know, right? Are you? Yeah, I'm, all, are, are I'm you... also on Twitter and Instagram and at Serena IG. South Park. I'm pretty, pretty much everywhere. Serena South Park, except my the only thing that's different is my PlayStation username because I got that when I was like 14. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, follow, give Serena a follow. Check out. Uh, her career as she is she I'm telling you dude she is on the cusp of exploding to be one of the top names in women's mixed martial arts not just at 135 not just Invicta on the entire landscape of women's MMA so keep an eye out for her and Invicta Serena thank you thank you thank you again and I can't wait to talk to you another time soon no worries thanks again for having me on right it was an awesome time awesome thanks so much we'll talk to you soon my God, how cool was that, man? Serena Jesus. Well, just because we didn't do a ton of listener questions today does not mean that I'm going to miss shouting out my, my homies from MMA Twitter, my peeps, my awesome supportive friends, Jim Asun, Laura Purple Pants, Gator, Dave Fretz, Unsolicited Fight Picks, Ken Mr. Tittlewinks, Deja, Pokemama91, G from OTV, McStick-A Man, Marquise, my homie from Weak Sauce Radio, Sirius King, the new homie, Jay from Team Marietta, Rage and Sweet Potato, Drea, Juice, Evil Eddie from the Pure Evil, M- Pure Evil MMA Podcast, Donnie Rockets, your whole crew over there, Ashley the MMA Nerd, and so many others. There is no show without you guys. I swear, without you, the show would suck. You are the absolute backbone of it. You are the pillars that hold me up. You are the wind beneath my wings. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you guys. Love, love, love you. 
And thank you so much for joining us today on Combat Sports with Rhino. And we hope to see you ringside.